0: Hey friends, this is episode 22 of the Becoming Human podcast, and I'm your host, Will Nelson. In this episode, I sit down with Michael Miller to discuss trail running, ultra marathons, and tempering your mentality. You can find the links to his blog and Instagram account in the show notes. I'm just going to paint a little picture from kind of where I'm coming from, because I... I am probably as much of an outsider as most of you guys are, if not more. I started trail running about uh, six months ago, and it's fascinating. Because as with any difficult pursuit, you get to know yourself more, and your ability to cope with life as a whole grows. And then when you become strong enough, you can see vast stretches of the wild Where you'll know a certain solitude. You'll see some things that you know that only a handful of people have probably seen. You'll be on mountain peaks. I thought it was going to be an uncomfortable experience. And it was at times. But I also enjoyed it deeply at other times. Almost having the extreme lows had created or had heightened the pleasure that I experienced. And after doing it regularly, I stopped aching, and I noticed that my day to day energy levels were higher. When I hit the trails, my body was excited instead of bracing itself against the discomfort. Over time, my body began to crave the experience as if some benign Stockholm syndrome, I acquired the taste to run trails. Before we begin the episode, here's a brief message from our sponsors. You know those days where you feel so alone, you just crawl into bed and you cry yourself to sleep? Or when you're walking in the park and everybody disperses because you're just some old, alone creep? Or how about when you're watching a movie and you have no one to lay on? Well, I have just a solution for you. Click on the link on the website to go to our Amazon store or the link in the show notes to get yourself an inflatable husband or boyfriend blow-up doll. The blow-up doll... Comes in a neat little package that reminds me of my very first kid's meal at McDonald's. Even with a plastic handle. It's 34 inches tall. So it can make you feel... Exceptionally tall. And it's buff too. It could be like your personal trainer. You even get a booklet for it too for... Conversation ideas Unfortunately it's not anatomically correct I don't really know what that means Basically I think you can't fuck it But it's great for bachelor parties Or bachelorette parties Well I guess if you're gay Bachelor parties What the fuck are you gonna do Rub all over the latex It doesn't have an ingredients list So don't try to eat it But check it out in uh, show notes Or on our affiliate link on KillYourKing.com Thank you guys very much. And here's Mike.
1: Trail running. Yes. Um I think I started in 2012.
2: 2012? Yep. So were you did you do road running before that or was that your first introduction yes. into running?
1: Only a little. I uh I didn't start running consistently until August of 2011.
2: Oh, wow. Um, did you enjoy road running as much as trail running? Like, why did you, what made you want to take the plunge?
1: Well, I really, I really didn't know any different. Um, I had never done any trail running prior to 2011. I mean, I had run, you know, on the roads and whatnot, um, for years, but, you know, just not because I liked it, because I thought I needed to do Something other than what I was doing.
2: Yeah, not so every once in a while I would.
1: Yeah, I would go out and uh, hit the roads, and I would think, "This hurts. This sucks. I don't want to do this."
3: Mm-hmm. And so
1: it's very sporadic. But uh, in 2011, uh, we didn't really have a summer that year, and uh, it was it was August, and I was getting kind of desperate to get outside. Mm-hmm. And we finally, we finally had a week or so of, you know, plus 80 degree temperatures. And I thought to myself, what? Mm, I need to get outside, but I still need to be getting my exercise. So what am I going to do? I guess I'll run. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, I just wow. sort of never looked back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so cool.
2: So, um, I've had that same experience trying to do road running. Like before, I was aware of trail running and ultras and stuff. I would try to run on the road, and it, it hurt my feet, and it was just boring. Like it felt like I can completely plunge into music without really having to pay attention to anything but my gait. Right. And with the trail running, it, um, it almost. Takes you back to like when I was younger and that that sense of adventure, if you will.
1: Yeah, so much different, and uh, and I I don't know that I would still be running today, except that uh, Phil Kochik opened Seven Hills Running, literally in my neighborhood. Oh really? Two miles, two miles from my house, and uh, he was all about the trail running he's he's been running hundred milers and uh and the like for many years and he opened up this shop and i stuck my head in the door when he was you know still putting stuff up on the walls and he was literally my introduction to running on trails and i've never looked back from that either
2: yeah (laughs) When you're there, is it almost like um, when you have a shop like that that you go to, do you run as a group? Like, do you have weekly runs and stuff, and do you have people who give you uh, pointers and kind of help you out when you're first starting?
1: Um, So, yeah, there are uh, group runs out of the shop a couple times a week, uh, Mm -hmm. Wednesday nights and Saturday mornings. Um, Giving me pointers... I'm I'm going to say no, but, uh, you know, there are so many accomplished runners who are associated with the shop that you, you're kind of immersed in it from the get-go uh, and sort of pick it up. You know, I mean, you hear them talking about all of these amazing things that they do, whether races or, you know, just... Uh, Routes up in the Cascades, or just adventure running, you know, things like that, and uh, and what's you ad- just kind of go ahead.
2: Oh, what's adventure running?
1: Um, just going out for maybe uh, fast packs overnight. Yeah, uh, trips, that's my favorite. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> Circumnavigating uh, Mount Rainier, things like that. I mean, just uh, amazing oh. stuff
2: like that. That is so yeah. cool right and so you when you do get to a shop like that and you um you keep going to the runs there's a sense of community that you build i take it so it's not yeah, a very isolated uh, discipline
1: no definitely not i mean uh, that that's a, another huge difference that i noticed between the uh the road running community and trail runners is that trail runners are just so inclusive and encouraging and friendly just just a totally different type personality type i think from what i discovered uh with road runners who in my experience tend to keep to themselves
2: mhm i've uh oddly enough i've experienced that hiking up i think it was mount constitution or mailbox peak no, Mount Constitution, uh-huh. and I was uh, doing it because I wanted to, I spent like six months or so um, just trying to try and get used to it, so I was going up Mount Constitution, and I was pacing the guy in front of me. Uh, I didn't want to pass him or whatever because I'd probably get exhausted and play tag with him, uh-huh. and as I got to the top to where you started to, where you need crampons, because it was, uh, I believe, February or March at the time. And he stopped before he had up, and he's like, it's going to get icy up here. This is probably the time when you'd want to turn back. And then we had a conversation...
1: Do you happen to remember that
2: guy's name? Um, I do not remember his name. Oh well. He was he said that he um what is it, trains often in that area. There's a lot of people that are do the ultras and stuff around the area, huh? Yeah. Like in the Seattle area.
1: Yep. And people from the city just uh, you know, routinely on a weekend sort of basis make their way up to up the nine, uh, I-90 corridor, you know, to the Issaquah Alps or, or uh, you know, further east from there, but uh, there's so many great places to go. You know, you mentioned a couple, uh, Mailbox and um, Mount Constitution, there's uh, Mount Defiance, you know, um, Kendall Catwalk, I mean, anywhere on the PCT and the enchantments, and it just go on and on. There's so many options out there.
2: See, that's why I wanted to try to. you're going to miss the the mountains, the woods and stuff. You're going to be stuck in the city. And it just turns out that there was almost a lot more trails over here than over there. And the mountains are freaking incredible, man. Like, it was a surprise. uh, It was a really good balance of city and uh, nature here.
1: Right. And uh, the other thing that you get here that you don't get lots of other places is uh, the water views.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: it Um, and you know I mean it it doesn't necessarily have to be on a super long run either there are plenty of days when I'm out there you know doing
3: (laughs) doing a shorter
1: run where I just uh, stop for a second and go I don't want to do I want to go home
2: (laughs) (laughs) I've had those experiences too (laughs) yeah
1: so you know I mean uh, I do it because it's good for me and I'm you know I'm my best version of myself when I'm running and uh being in this community but uh what I've discovered and had reinforced time and time again is that some runs just suck
2: mm-hmm, yeah there's
1: no kidding around it
2: it's just a matter of how you deal with it yeah that's
1: yeah, exactly
2: and that's what I find like interesting is you, you almost uh flex that muscle, and for me, correct me if I'm wrong, but for for how I'm
3: Right. Well, the other thing I notice is,
1: uh, especially, you know, before a run where I'm still, like, trying to make up my mind if I'm going to get out and go, I've learned, again, from uh, doing it time and time again that most often, 99% of the time, by the time I'm done, I feel so much better. And looking back on it, it's just silly that uh, I would think... Yeah, I, don't, I don't want to do
2: it today. <laughs> yeah, that's and that that reminds me of um when I was going through the process when I was a kid where I'd have to clean out my car and I wouldn't clean out my car and I'd just accumulate cans on the ground and
0: uh,
2: what is it? How I imagined like th- the effort that I'd have to put into f- to throw away my garbage was far worse in my imagination than the reality of it. And in the end of it, having all of that garbage actually bothered me even worse. Like it's getting over that kind of hump, whether if you want to go out and run that day or anything like that, I think it's a good muscle to stretch. Right. And, yep, uh, I agree. It, you yeah. just
1: pick, that, pick up that first can and, and start doing something and you shut out the uh, I don't want us and, and you or you go downstairs and you put on your running gear and you set one foot out the door, and you say, I'm just going to run for five minutes. Mm-hmm. I just do it for five minutes. Anybody could do that. I can do that. And then the next thing you know, it's an hour later.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's where I was um, trying to do, I think it was training for this last run. I I was planning my route one day for training. And at first, I set out to where, like, I'm going to do, um, I don't know, what was it, five miles. And then I told myself, well, if I feel like it, I'm going to, you know, go out and do the full 10. And I get out to the five and I'm just like, you know what? I know that, like, I don't want to do it, but if I push through it in the end, it'll the reward will be worth it. And it definitely was. Like, I always ask myself when I want to give up or something, what's on the other side? Is it death? Is it, like, what are you afraid of? And usually what's on the other side is something positive or some form of growth.
1: Yep. I agree.
2: And, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to ask you what your, what's your kind of, uh, self-talk when you're going through those situations though? Like when you're, uh, finding yourself at your limit through in a race or something?
1: Uh, well, it depends on the race. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, the, the first uh, 100K that I did, mm-hmm. um, which was last year at uh, Gorge Waterfalls down east of Portland.
2: Ooh, how many miles uh, is 100K? 62. Holy, wow.
1: Ish, 62-ish. I mean, these are trail events and, uh, you know, nobody's out there with a uh, a wheel or anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, anything, but uh, around 62. Um <clears throat> That w- that was by far the longest I'd ever gone. Prior to that, uh 50k was my uh was my top end. Wow. And uh <clears throat> my self-talk during that race was horrible. <sighs> oh really? I, I could not wait to quit. I I dropped so many times during that race mentally. And uh you know, eventually, I mean I never actually walked up to anybody and said, "I'm dropping." which is the only thing that kept me from dropping (laughs) mentally countless times. I was just like, I'm done. I'm so done. I'm quitting at the next aid station. Um, but I attribute that to never having gone that far before and having no earthly idea what it was going to be like. Um, my mental game was just pitiful Mm -hmm. and, But you know, having had that experience last year, I, uh, I ran another hundred k at Miwok this year, and I knew what to expect. And I never, never had those mental lows at Miwok this year just because of that, just because I had done it before.
2: Wow, that must be really empowering too to be able to see that you can make such progress with effort. That's wow. And the self-talk, um, what is it? What, when you are actually doing well, do you kind of have like a, a self-talk or do you go into a kind of a flow state to where you're not really thinking of anything?
1: Um, both. I mean, it depends.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just, uh, I mean, there were plenty of times at Walk where um, I wanted to walk, for example. I mean, yeah. I was just uh, really tired and... So I felt like as long as I kept moving forward, I can just walk. I'll just walk here. Um, but the difference between Miwok and Gorge is that Miwok's cutoff time is 15 and a half hours. And at Gorge, it was 17 hours. Oh, wow. Which I barely made. I, uh, I came in 20 minutes uh, ahead of the cutoff at uh, Gorge. So I needed to really pick up my pace during Miwok.
3: Put some pressure on you. The...
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it uh, it definitely created some anxiety going into the race. Just because, you know, based on what happened last year, I'm not so sure about this.
3: Yeah. Because, uh,
1: <clears throat> I was actually able to stay well ahead of the cutoffs for, uh, you know, the majority of the day. I ended up finishing... Fifty minutes before the final cutoff at the finish, which wow. was two hours and two minutes uh, faster than I ran than I ran Gorge.
3: Congratulations! Um, a,
1: thank you. And on a uh, pretty pretty comparable course in terms of elevation, Gorge is uh, twelve thousand feet of climbing, and uh, Meatwalk was eleven
2: eight. Ooh! Wow! And that is quite the accomplishment.
1: I had a good day, okay. yeah,
2: i bet i I bet like just a feeling of i don't know of success that you must have had it was, must have been must not have been comparable to anything else, like any other feeling of success prior um, when when you do those runs, do you ever get anxiety before you're gonna do the run?
1: Um, very rarely, and and Miwok was a huge exception, just because of how um, my last uh, go at one of these things went. Um, mm-hmm. I also uh, I also ran um, White River, a fifty miler last summer, or I ran half of White River, I should say.
2: Uh, half? Um, did, did you drop out, yeah, or was it just I the, did. Oh, you did. Um,
1: I did, yes. Oh, that must have been a tough one. Well, and I I think in part it was due to exactly what you just mentioned, anxiety going into it uh, based on what happened at Gorge. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also had stomach problems that day.
2: Oh, that's a bad tone.
1: Combining those two things uh, and the fact that uh, the halfway point is back at the parking lot. So mm-hmm. you go out again. Oh. And it's really? Easy to drop that day.
2: Yeah. If I I feel like if I had to do um, laps, essentially, that that would make it very difficult for me to um, to to not not necessarily get discouraged, but just keep my uh, self talk positive, if you will.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: In retrospect, I wish uh, I wish I could have a do over there.
2: But uh, so it goes. Yeah, there's no failures. There's only lessons, I suppose. Yep, I'm, I
1: choose to look
2: at it that way. That's a very good point. yeah, okay, man. Well, I think that's the funnest thing is that, I don't know, in life the, the consequences aren't necessarily that high, but you can find yourself in certain disciplines where you have these uh, heightened consequences and also heightened rewards for the effort that you put in. And I think it's a beautiful thing, even the failures too, because the the failures, uh, they just demand so much of you, I guess, to move on. And then when you find that success, it's empowering. So it's just like, it makes you feel so low sometimes that the highs feel even more incredible, if you will.
1: Yeah, um, I agree.
2: Have you, when you first started running, did you have anxiety before your runs and that's like gotten lesser and lesser or... Is that only a problem after the gorge for a minute?
1: Um no, I I never really had any um any anxiety going into, you know, just training runs or or races. Um, mm-hmm.
3: because for the for the most part,
1: I was just yeah, you know, I wasn't racing first of all. I was just running. Yeah. So I could go as fast or as slow as I felt like and the the goal was just to finish. And uh that worked out very well uh, until White River last year, um, mm-hmm. and it and it only really became a factor when I was doing these uh, these two hundred Ks because they were both Western States qualifiers, and I wanted to qualify for the lottery for Western States.
2: Wait, uh, well, so what is that? The um, the qualifiers and the lottery.
1: Um, so you're you're familiar with Western States, the hundred miler. Yes?
2: Um. No, I'm not familiar with the Western States 100-miler. Oh.
1: <laughs> Western States uh, is sort of the granddaddy of 100-mile uh, ultra-events in the U.S. Ooh. Since, since the early 70s, I think, 1970.
3: And so Yeah. I
1: think like four thousand hundred and
2: Wow. Wait, hold on one second, Mike. Um, did you did you are you losing the signal at all? I, I think it, it's becoming a little hard to hear you.
1: Yep. I, uh, my, my, my car, uh,
2: timer timed out here. Oh, did? <laughs> <laughs>
1: you can hear me now, right? Yeah, I can
2: hear you now. I lost you at, right. um, right when you started explaining, the um, the Western.
1: Okay. Western States is, uh, so <clears throat> I'll just start over. Um, the, uh. Since 1974, it was the first, I think, the first running of Western states. Um, but it's been growing in popularity every year. It's uh, basically the granddaddy of 100-mile endurance events in the U.S. Um, every year, you know, they, they offer up something like 270 uh spots via lottery wow. and last year over 4200 people applied to get in so it's it's tough um, and you, and you have to qualify so that's uh the, that's the only reason I've ever had any anxiety about a race is because I really wanted to uh to finish these qualifiers
2: mm mm-hmm. so it puts that extra pressure on top of you that's insane. 40, 42,000 people? No, 40, 4,200. Oh, 4,200 people. Wow. And 4, so what what makes it the granddaddy? Is it the um, in terms of, like, how long it's been around, or is it the type of course itself is pretty extreme?
1: I, I think it was the first 100-miler in the U.S. Um, it it uh, started when a guy who was doing a... Uh, 100 mile event uh, equestrian event
3: mm-hmm. had
1: his horse come up lame like uh, you know early on in the race within the first I don't know 8 miles or something and he ended up finishing that event on foot wow. so it was the first time that uh, it had ever been done uh, on foot and it became it just blew up into this huge international uh, 100 mile event
2: that is cool i'm gonna have to look into that one Hmm. now i got something to shoot for
1: (laughs) yeah it's uh it's quite a thing and now of course there are 100 milers and and 200 milers all over the country 200 plus now and uh all over the world
2: sasquatch and the moab for the destination trail or held by destination trail runs
1: right those ones are really interesting Yep, Bigfoot is another
2: one that uh, Candace Burke puts on as well. I think I'm going to try to volunteer for Bigfoot just so I can get a good idea. I put in my application. But nice. Yeah, I figured it it'll be good. I, I want to get into doing um, ultras, but I don't want to I want to do it in a way that I don't just shove myself into it and get discouraged, I guess. Um,
1: yeah, it it definitely took me a good long while between the time that I did my first uh, road event until I signed up for my first ultra i mean i think it was i think it was a 2 year gap in between those things
2: were you intentionally trying to um, escalate it or did you just kind of is that just how it organically happened
1: uh, the latter, very much so. Oh, just, okay. Uh, like I said, Phil opened up his shop, and I fell in with a bad crowd.
2: <laughs> convinced you that you can do ultras. <laughs>
1: yeah. He <they laughs> put these crazy ideas into my head.
2: How was... Did you have, like, a huge mileage jump? Um, for... um
1: No, I mean, it, it it gradually escalated. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, it just... Um, it's just like I like you said. It happened organically, and over time, I felt stronger and stronger. I built up my base, uh, <clears throat> just you know, incidentally. And then the next thing I knew, I was running a half marathon, and then a marathon. And I mean, I literally thought that I would never run a marathon; that it was just beyond my capabilities.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that turned out not to be the case.
2: That's what, like, when I look at it, it, it it seems so intimidating at first. And the amount of miles, I, I, like, to everybody that I talk to, they look at me like, oh, that, you know, that would be impossible or ridiculous. And in reality, we just, our bodies adapt so well, as long as you're willing to be able to put in the, the effort mentally.
1: Yeah, and, and the interesting thing to me is you never hear that from people who are actually doing it. Mm. you know mm-hmm. because they know better and they you know they're they're the ones out there doing these amazing things and they'll be the first to tell you that no no if I can do this you can do this
2: mm-hmm. and that that's empowering in and of itself cuz like I was touching on the anxiety we're talking about the anxiety thing um after the gorge and I think I meet people who like who fall on a, a wide spectrum. Obviously, it's hard to generalize for any uh, for anything, but who encounter anxiety day to day, or they have difficulty, you know, managing their emotions and stuff. And I think having something to where that's difficult, that seems impossible, and putting in the effort to try that, and the whole process of it just enriches your like everyday life i think and it, for me personally like uh social anxiety it, i'd have that you know on the occasion and mm-hmm. through trail running it helps because I already deal with that anxiety in more stressful situations if you will
0: and even like getting right. up on
2: stage is a almost a tangent but getting up on stage and performing in front of people is another example to where it just it doesn't affect like just what I'm doing it affects my entire life for the better
1: yep i agree have you uh, have you watched the uh the Barclay Marathon documentary? No, Barclay
2: Marathon documentary. Where can I watch this at? Uh,
1: it's on Netflix, and uh, it may be on um, YouTube by now for all I know, but uh, I got it on, or I saw it on Netflix. Um, so the Barclay Marathons, the name of the thing is The Barclay Marathons, The Race That Eats Its Young, I think, or Whoa. The Race That Eats Its Own. Whoa. <laughs> And uh it's this insane event in Tennessee that uh is supposed to be a hundred miler, uh five loops of twenty miles apiece that are just uh, insanely difficult with enormous elevation. But uh over time the course has uh, blown up to be more like hundred and twenty five miles, hundred and thirty miles. It seems like oh, it gets a little gosh. bit difficult every year. Um That's been going on since the mid-80s, and in that entire time, until 2012 or so, there had only been 10 or 11 finishers, and then they did this documentary uh, in 2012, and just out of the blue, three people finished that year. Um, Wow. Wow. And uh, since I've been paying attention to that sort of thing and part of this community, uh, now I, I know uh, several people who have actually uh, trained and, and towed the line at Barclay. I've never, none of them have ever finished, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they've they've done that. Well, the, the point of this huge digression is that one of the guys that they uh, they interview during the movie said, something that uh, resonates with me about, you know, anxiety and and how this stuff overlaps our everyday lives. He said, you know, most people are entirely too comfortable, which Which makes uh, a lot of sense to me because most people are not doing things that uh, they have to put themselves out there for. And they have to really dig deep, you know, whether it be running or you know something career oriented or whatever, a relationship, whatever the case may be. Most people tend to stay between the rails and just never leave their comfort zone. Yeah,
2: exactly. And there's
1: I thought that was pretty profound. That that
2: is very profound, man. Like because you. You don't even get the return rate like fortune favors the bold and just that's insane i, I talk to people wow <laughs> i, I t- i've talked to people who um that's what like i have similar conversations with people who are stuck in ruts in their lives and sometimes i've heard them say that i don't want to change because this is who i am like facing severe obstacles, whether it's relationships and uh or getting um relationships with their friends or even losing their house and I think it's that's the biggest thing is your ability to be uncomfortable mhm and not to avert your eyes to suffering yep like that's
1: well so that was that was a good a good little lesson for me and yeah. uh from a likely place, you know, just uh, watching a uh, random documentary about running and and that line really sticks out for me
3: Damn.
2: I'm gonna check that documentary out Netflix.
1: I think you might enjoy it,
2: yes, it sounds like it that's um that's just the thing that I've even come to in my own personal life is before uh trying to pursue difficult things, whether or not that's, you know, getting more into art and writing and trail running and stuff, my life seemed a lot harder than what it is now, like my day-to-day life, and in hindsight, just comparing my life now to then, like if you look at it uh, rationally, like the responsibilities that I have, I have far more responsibilities now than then, and it couldn't feel easier. In terms of like you know dealing being a father and dealing with emotional turbulence of other things in my life, um, it's it's manageable because I know that putting myself through the point of exhaustion or even putting myself in like an emotionally dangerous situation by going up on stage um, and possibly being ridiculed, that nothing can really you know nothing's the end of my life. Yeah. To be confident.
1: All right. What's the worst that that can happen? They can't kill you. Yeah, exactly.
2: And <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you were saying before too. Is you thought that you weren't capable of doing, you know, uh, running those long distances, and you realize that with effort and determination, you are. And
1: yeah. Well, no one, no one was more surprised than me. I'll tell you. <laughs> It was a nice thing to discover.
2: (laughs) I agree. It was the same for me, too, because completely emotionally empowering.
0: Um,
2: What's the most adventurous trail run that you've ever ran that had the coolest, I don't know, features or view, if you will?
1: Um, The one that sticks out for me is uh, Kendall Catwalk. Kendall Catwalk. Um, Kendall Catwalk. It's... uh, it's on the PCT um, right near Snoqualmie uh, ski area, and I can't remember what exit it is, but, uh, you know, you just basically drive from Seattle up to up by 90 to Snoqualmie and uh, park there. And the next thing you know, you're climbing up uh, the PCT and some of the most amazing views of uh, mountains that, I didn't know existed in Washington. I mean, you drive through them um, on I-90 and you look at them and go, dang, that's pretty impressive. But it takes on such a different um, flavor when you're on your feet and, you know, climbing, doing the actual work yourself, climbing up these things. It just, uh, it feels like the reward for these kinds of views is so much better. And it, it feels like, something that you've done rather than you're just sort of driving along and uh taking it in. You're actually working for it.
2: Yeah, isn't that an odd trick of the mind where um if you don't put any like an exceeding amount of effort into something it, it loses its its value almost.
1: Yeah. But yes, exactly.
2: I've it's and that's hard for me. I've done this was doing a training on um it's Little Mountain up here in Mount Vernon. And uh-huh yeah at first when I started training on it I couldn't it was hard for me to to run the trail that was like near the road like actual trails though because I could drive up to the top of it like it lost its because it was so easy to access it lost my interest so I had to it took me a while to be able to to beat that that mentality if you will and um what do you call it I've it reminds also reminds me of uh, Colorado, is that I had a friend who, they were always talking, they, they hiked a lot, and they moved from Colorado to Idaho, and mm-hmm. they said that the mountain views were so beautiful, but the only problem is, is you're already almost at the top of every mountain, so it doesn't take much yeah. effort to get to the top, so the impact is less.
1: Right. You just don't enjoy it near as much.
2: Mm-hmm. And it gives it almost that substance uh, or meaning to it, if you will. Did you... Yeah,
1: it's almost it's yeah. almost like it makes it real. It makes it, uh, you know, almost like you're looking at the difference between looking at a painting and uh, seeing what the artist was seeing when he or she was doing that work. Yeah,
2: like you're connected to it in a way. Yeah. And that's what... I find interesting too, is that your spectrum of experiences your spectrum of pleasure changes in these circumstances because uh prior to this, when you know growing up, I was raised in a very um, sedentary environment, not yeah very about it have you done any um fast packing on the side or anything like that or is that a something you want to do in the future
1: i've gotten as far as buying the pack
2: Ooh, really (laughs) (laughs) but
1: no i i have not done the uh the overnight thing yet and uh it's definitely something that uh, i would like to do i've talked to some friends about doing that this summer and yet here we are it's july yeah and uh so far none of us have uh been able to do that but we're all sort of uh deeply involved with some of these these events that uh we've been either supporting or participating in or you know whatever that uh, maybe maybe this month or next month we'll actually get around to doing it yeah
2: that'll be perfect timing too since that snow's pretty is cleared now at least i think
1: yeah, that's something I've been paying attention to on uh, the the Washington Trails Association website is uh, snow levels um, at these various uh, on these various trailheads and uh, going up the trails because uh, a couple weeks ago when I checked it's like and I'm exaggerating here <laughs> everything east of Mount Si was uh, still under 10 feet of snow. Oh gosh! So, <laughs>
2: yeah, I feel like a kid waiting for Christmas except this is the antithesis yeah. to that. <laughs> like, i um looking up at Mount Baker, because ba- I'm, what, 30 minutes away? Yeah, 30 minutes away from uh, most of the access to the south side of Baker, and I've yeah. just been waiting and waiting for those trails to open up. Those are sp- I only got to hike those last year, but um, thinking about it and, like, reminiscing, they'd be so much fun to run, and they're so beautiful up there. Right. Well,
1: I, I keep uh, seeing posts, uh, you know, people on Instagram and on Facebook are putting up pictures of uh, some of these routes that uh, I did last summer or the summer before, so obviously the the snow levels are now extremely manageable, so now it's just a matter of planning something.
2: Yeah, exactly. I got a, a, a one route called the Copper Ridge in the works, and I think it's only, I wanted to try to do it in a day, but I'm going to bring stuff with me just in case
3: uh it's mm-hmm. 32
2: miles uh, 8,000 anywhere between 75 to 8,000 feet elevation gain and nice. you ride a cable car across uh to Florida river but and it's like suspended between two trees and stuff it's supposed to be really cool
1: that sounds like fun.
2: Yeah, it'll be a nice sense of adventure, I think, and kind of just get ready. I want to do be able to do the enchantments by the end of the uh, season.
1: Yeah, the photos that I've seen of the enchantments are just ridiculous, and uh, I kick myself that I haven't been up there yet. But uh, like I said, the plan is the plan is out there.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Just have to make you should, it happen.
2: Once you put it out there, it'll kind of come to you in time. Right. Mm.
3: Exactly.
2: Um, when people do go into doing these ultras and stuff like that, is there is there a future outside in it outside of just being a hobby?
1: You mean can people make a living at it?
2: Yes. Uh, uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: that's that's an interesting question. I mean the uh the straightforward answer is yes, but mm-hmm. The number of people who can do that is extremely small, and the the window in which they they can make a living at it is extremely short mm-hmm. um, if if history is any guide I mean there's a handful of people who you know are really good for two or three or five years or whatever, and then you know the I mean it's hard to be an elite for an extended. It's a sign that's all there is to it and right now there's not a lot of money in terms of you know finishing on the podium and uh, and prize money and things like that you 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 can get sponsorships and you know get free gear and get free entries to races and things like that um that you can parlay into you know make uh, doing your own events being a race director for your own events and uh coaching and things like that. So, you know, that's that's sort of a peripheral to mm-hmm. being able to make a living at this sort of thing. But in terms of just, you know, making a living off of winning races <clears throat> very few people can do that right now.
2: hmm And I think that as with anything is trying to um make a living off of your physical abilities.
0: Um
2: or anything that hinges even at least halfway on your physical abilities rather is it's not, it's not very sustainable, but it always seems that like within the community, just like you're saying, peripherally, there's, there's ways to make it work to where you can spend most of the time peripheral, peripherally uh, contributing to your interest, whether it's writing about it, writing a book or, um, being a, Making a product and stuff like that, I would imagine, right? Yeah,
1: definitely. And there are plenty of examples of uh, of ultra runners who have written books, uh, how to mm-hmm. books, you know, uh, run your first uh, trail race, run your first hundred miler, things like that. Um, and I know this because I own many of those books.
2: <laughs> have you read Born to Run?
1: Of course. Yeah. Like Not that early. book? I'm about to pick it up. Yes, I love that book it was fascinating and you know a lot of most of the people uh, who were part of that book are still around and you know still show up uh, here and there at events and and uh, presentations and things like that um, so yeah it's it's been fascinating to get further and further into this world and see that these are real people, you know, not just characters you read about in a book.
2: Yeah, exactly. And you and then also kind of puts I would imagine once again empowering you um like I can do this too. That these people aren't unattainable uh or do not do unattainable things.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh we can we can go run the same trails, maybe not definitely not at the same speed. <laughs> yeah. But uh, at the same time, and uh and you know mingle with them chat with them and uh and they're the uh, the the great thing is that they're just normal people and mm-hmm. uh like like so many others in this community just as nice as they could be
2: exactly so humble too from what i've experienced yeah. anyways
1: yeah me too um
2: when you when you do these runs, do you have to – so, like, how often do you train usually in the in the weeks before the runs? I know it's different for every run, but, I mean, are you going out to trails throughout the week to train, or do you train on the treadmill or road runs? All
1: of the above. All of um, the above. Yeah. Uh, I, I train through the winter. I have done that for the last, I don't know, four years probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, you know, a lot of people,
2: yeah, wait, I think I lost you again, Mike. How about now? Yep, you're good.
1: Okay, sorry. No, you're fine. It's my car trying not to run down the battery.
3: Yeah, Um. <laughs>
1: so i've I've trained through the winter for the last uh, four years in a row or so, not because you know necessarily I've got an event coming up, but just because I don't want to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, this is This is what I do to stay in shape and stay healthy and uh, so I just do it, and you know there there are plenty of times when I'll not want to go out and in the thirty five degree rain. And so I'll get on the treadmill at the, the local YMCA or whatever for a while. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I I take whatever is available, whether it be on the roads or on the trails or whatever, and just uh, get it done throughout the year. Um, and the, the mileage varies. I mean, it'll go up. Significantly ahead of uh, a big race um, this this year, everything was building up to Miwok, which was the first week of May. Mm-hmm. So from January through the middle of April, my monthly mile totals, you know, went up and up and up.
2: Oh, okay. So gradually increasing them.
3: Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, for a couple reasons. Number one, I uh, I've, there's only so much time in the week for me because, you know, family and pets and work and all of the, you know, work-a-day things.
2: The hustle and bustle. But,
1: uh, yeah, definitely. And And also, there's only so many miles I can put in a week without, you know, grinding myself down. That's the other thing. I also I also value rest during uh any given week.
2: Mm-hmm. Cause then you start getting a negative return on your effort.
1: Yeah, exactly. Can't have that.
2: Yeah. And do you um do you try to like is it do you try to overshoot the amount of miles that you're going to run on a given event though? Or if you don't get you know, over those miles you still feel confident? Like if you're gonna do do, um, Yeah.
1: I mean I have uh I have broad goals, you know, based on the uh the training uh plans that I've either read about in some of these books or downloaded uh
0: from the internet.
1: Um and when I was first started doing this I, I paid real close attention to those mileage totals and uh quickly figured out that they were way beyond me. And I think I think they I, I think they're mainly for people who want to be competitive,
3: mm-hmm.
1: which which is not me. I want to finish. So for me, a win is uh, finishing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but again, it's I don't I don't get hung up on those weekly or monthly totals because I know that uh, it all has to work within the the larger scope of what's going on in my life, so, and I don't need additional anxiety about, you know, oh my God, I didn't I didn't hit my total for the day or for the week or or whatever, because yeah. uh, that's not good for anybody.
2: And see, I like that too because it's it's something that I like to emphasize on um, on the pursuit of really any discipline uh, outside of the sake of just you know making money. If someone's at a job because you know they're just trying to get by. Uh, doing something such as trail running or uh, any other kind of, I guess, discipline on the side, it—you don't have to do it just to become the best. You can do it to find yourself, to understand yourself in these uncomfortable situations. And just like yeah. you're talking about with that quote about most people being entirely too comfortable, like it—it's definitely. Oops, sorry about that. It's uh. Um, yeah, I- Definitely not just, like, even in kickboxing um, or fighting or anything. It's not about the violence. It's just about all of the internal strife and struggle and the stuff you overcome. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think if people do it more often, then their lives might be a little bit easier to manage, like all the other things. Um, Yeah, I
3: agree.
2: It's cool, too, because I didn't, I thought... Uh, before I got into this community and other communities that are that can be competitive, uh, I thought everyone would be hyper-competitive and ruthless, and that's where I find that it's more like um, its own form of tribalism in a lot of ways. It's just a community that's very tight-knit, and you form bonds with the people that you run with, or that I would imagine you go and you run uh, at your local running club, and
1: yeah, the uh, the interesting thing to me has been while you know the best friendships that I've made are you know understandably among the people that I run with and see at events and uh, and go to presentations with most often. Mm-hmm. But the fascinating thing is that you can show up to to volunteer at one of these things or to run, and the sense of community is exactly the same, no matter where I've gone, it's been, you know, you, you immediately feel comfortable among these people because you all share the same experiences and, in uh, and my observation, the same kinds of values. Yeah. It's really kind of fascinating
2: and i i can really relate to that because when i did the taylor mountain i met like 3 new people there cuz i was just one guy rolled his leg and him and i started to have a conversation and we exchanged uh, information and a uh-huh. couple other people too and they were they told me like uh, some pointers about uh, you know what i was doing and stuff and they gave me a little insight into what they felt like they could have been doing better or what they enjoyed the most and it was so cool cuz i didn't feel uh for me personally, sometimes I'll get anxiety talking to, um, you know, in big groups of people, and they're mm-hmm. felt as comfortable as I can be. It's because I felt like I was entirely vulnerable during the entire race, and I knew everyone else was. Like, you could just trust each other.
1: Yeah, that's been my experience as well. It's uh, It's really different than a lot of other... Um, activities, uh, you know, outside of work activities that I've uh, been a part of over the years.
2: Do you, um, when you do the inclines, kind of jumping around a little bit, but um, when you do the inclines, do you run up them or do you walk up them? Like power walk?
1: Uh, You mean during a race or or during
2: Uh, training? During a race.
1: Uh, f- especially during, uh, longer races, mm-hmm. I
2: will, I will power hike them. You'll power hike. See, that's what, when I yep. did the Taylor mountain, when I first started, first of all, I made the mistake of being in the, like starting up in the front and I had this, <laughs> this immediate, no, no. And this immediate <laughs> thought that came into my head was like, I'm in the front. Like right when they said go, I'm like, okay, uh-huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in the front. So I kept my maintained intensity, and I basically uh, lost that intensity very quickly. <laughs> and, <laughs> my God, I should not have listened to that thought. Um, and uh-huh. w- once you get to the first incline, <clears throat> I thought, okay, um, we're running up this. We're, let's let's do this. We're we're running. Uh-huh. We're running. Oh no! Oh oh no! I need to stop okay, I'm going to yeah. walk as fast as I can. And I didn't realize that that's what, in a race, it's best for those longer distances.
1: Yeah, definitely, <laughs> the uh, the longer distances in particular. But, you know, even some of the shorter ones, um, I mean, I, I wrestled with uh, looking at some of these climbs and going, I should be able to, I run these sorts of things all the time. I should be running that. Why am I not running this?
3: Yeah,
1: And... It just took me a little while to figure out that uh, you definitely get a diminishing return trying to run up these things when you really don't lose that much time by power hiking uh, at a reasonable pace. Mm-hmm. And the amount of energy that you save for the for the flats and the downhills is uh, significant. So I... I tried to learn that as quickly as I could. Yeah. But it was hard. I really wanted to run them.
2: I know, it's that's the thing is that there's like this this almost this emotional pull that makes you want to push yourself in an uh inefficient manner basically. Like it's almost for me it was ego in a lot of ways and yeah. th- that's something that I like to be able to confront, because I think if I don't do those situations, I would never notice my ego uh, quietly playing in the background, but there, it was loud as fuck, and yeah,
3: yeah,
2: <laughs> I had no choice but to confront it, and it had, obvi- had obvious negative return when I did <laughs> um, during the
0: downhills
2: and stuff, do you do you run your downhills, or do you kind of, uh, try to slow it down so you don't trip or anything.
1: I don't, I don't go all out. Um, the, uh, for me, the problem is, uh, twofold. Number one, it just really busts your quads on a long downhill. hmm And two, I, I don't feel like face planting.
3: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> there are lots of face plant opportunities on a, uh, on a downhill, um, particularly if it's long and
2: steep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've been on some of those steep ones where it just looks like you could, if it were a slide, you could slide down it. <laughs> yeah, like,
1: exactly. Or, you know, on a muddy day, on a, a wet, rainy, muddy day, it uh, literally can be a slide. And mm-hmm. I don't need that either. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: And I know it's coming around to about 3 o'clock, but I, I just had uh, like two more questions before before I let you go. You bet. Um, What kind of shoes do you use when you run? I I went minimalist route, and I've gone through three pairs, and I finally found one that won't basically. Say that last part of the question again. I missed it. Uh, Sorry about that, Mike. There we go. All right. So what kind of uh, shoes do you wear when you trail run? Because I went the minimalist route, and I went through three pairs of shoes. In almost, I think, two months, they all shredded out on me, and I finally found the Vibram five-finger trail runners, and they seem to be durable, but...
1: Not a lot of cushion there, though.
2: No, not a lot of cushion there, exactly. (laughs) It took me a long time to get used to it.
1: Yeah. Um, I have uh, an embarrassment of shoes in my closet. Um, (laughs) Lots and lots of shoes. So... (laughs) the uh the the short answer is it depends. Yeah. It depends on uh what the conditions are going to be and what the distance is and and how I'm feeling. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, so for a long race, uh I'll just uh, use Miwok as an example, uh, a really cushioned shoe was what I was looking for. Yeah. And also I used two pairs of shoes during that race. I changed out uh <clears throat> my solomon sense pro max shoes at mile 49 and ran the rest of the way in a pair of hoka clifton's which is actually a road shoe but mm-hmm. the uh the, the trails at miwok are not technical so a road ah. shoe worked out just fine there mm-hmm. um but you know on a typical midwest you know fall winter spring day where it can be Cold and rainy and slippery, um, I've used the, loan, the Ultra Lone Peak um, 3.0 right now is the version that I have, mm-hmm. really uh, successfully because they've got uh, a good bit of cushion, kind of a mid-range of cushion, but really great traction in most every condition.
2: Wow, Ultra Lone Peak. Okay. I'll look into those ones. Yeah. And,
1: and uh, they're they're about to come out with a 3.5, so the 3.0s are going to be deeply discounted. Uh, I suspect, Ooh. if they're not already.
2: That sounds like I'm gonna have to swoop up on that deal.
1: <laughs> That's always what I try to do. I try to never pay retail.
2: But yeah, no, neither do I. Because if I can save myself some money, I'm always into that. Yes. Um, do you ever lose your toenails when you do these extended races? I've heard that some people <laughs> do, and I wondered is that because they have like a really bad form, or is that just the reality of it?
1: Uh, I think it's the latter. I mean, I, I I've heard people say that they never lose toenails, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm not one of those people. My, <laughs> my toenails are a mess.
3: Yeah. I, I think
1: I can. I think I've got maybe three that aren't totally wrecked right now. <sighs>
2: wow. And is it painful at all or is it just you don't notice it?
1: Well, it's it's painful when it happens mm-hmm. or you know, in the immediate aftermath you know, like a week later when it's still, you know, in the process of falling off.
3: You yeah. Know, jam
1: your toe into the end of the shoe or whatever again and it's like, no! <laughs> <laughs> oh God.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah. But um. that's, that's just part of uh part of what we
2: do exactly it's the sacrifice you make in the end
1: (laughs) that's right
2: Uh, and do you um also in terms of striking too do you pay any attention to uh, how you your foot strike
1: i do um that's also been a learning process for me i mean uh when i was just getting started again and trying to figure out what shoes to wear and whatnot uh there was still a lot of high drop shoes on mm-hmm. the market, especially on the roadside. So, you know, like a 12-millimeter a drop, 12-millimeter uh, chunk in the Jeez. heel versus yeah. the, the forefoot. Yeah, it's crazy. And little, you know, niggling pains that uh, I couldn't account for. I was like, why does this hurt so much? And then the lower and lower and lower drop shoes that I bought until I got to the ultras, which are a zero drop shoe,
3: Mm -hmm. the better
1: I felt go figure. Yeah. So I I definitely pay attention to the drop of a shoe. And as part of that um, process, I also have worked on being a mid to four foot striker because for me, being a heel striker is just, uh, completely counterintuitive. Um, yeah. And it, it jarring, it's very jarring. So mm-hmm. it's it's just a lot smoother and a lot easier on my body. If I, you know, getting tired, I start paying attention to my form. <clears throat> I mm-hmm. will focus on, you know, making sure that I've, I'm maintaining a mid to four foot strike.
2: Yeah. And the, you also like the feet when you, Getting used to it after a while, it feels really good too. Like instead yeah. of feeling really like what you're saying about, uh, I think you're saying kind of jarring sensation when you're going doing the heel strikes. It, it doesn't yeah. feel good at all. You can't. You don't carry that energy. And I've even heard that. um What do you call it? Using that springing action too on the ball of your feet or doing the mid strikes. Even you're able to. Pull the energy out of the ground because it's so spongy, depending on what kind of uh texture you're running in or yeah
3: yeah
2: sure. boy, sad, the um do you have any to do, do you have any kind of like projects or uh like a blog that you run or anything like that that you'd like to share with the audience
1: um I do have a blog, but it's uh it's sort of languishing at the moment i I tend to. Right when I'm feeling inspired, and uh, I haven't been inspired much uh, in the last month or so. Mm-hmm. But it's Sea uh, Life Chronicles at blogspot. dot com, and it's uh, noted in my Instagram account, and I think on my uh, my Twitter account as well.
2: Sea Life Chronicles blogspot or dot blogspot. dot com. So I'm gonna yeah. have to check that out. I, see, I like that though what I find often is you got these people who are – I don't want to generalize – but um, people who write blogs where they're meeting, like, these what weekly de- – or not weekly deadlines, but they're putting out content weekly. And yeah. they end up just starting – their content, um, the quality of it starts to go downhill when they're just feeding the beast, if you will.
1: Yeah, I'm not that regimented in my writing because I like to keep – I I like it to be as good as it can be I guess mm-hmm. and uh <clears throat> that's that happens when I'm feeling particularly inspired about something. So there were there were a handful of posts about uh, Miwok for example. Ooh. I was pretty fired up about that.
2: I'm going to have to check that one out. Hmm. You go into like your uh dive into how you felt about it and stuff like that?
1: I did. Yes.
2: Ooh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I got some mileage out of that subject matter.
2: <laughs> I'm excited that's my favorite thing too is being able to watch people's thought process I I love writing and um, getting to like kind of trying to unpack my experiences so that'll be a lot of fun to check out yeah All right. thanks yeah no problem man and I really appreciate you coming on Mike it's been a pleasure and I hope to see you at one of these events soon which one are you, are you, that do, you would be any, great. do you have any coming up or anything
1: I do and it's uh one of those that's prompting a little anxiety it's a uh the squamish 50 miler august 19th Ooh. <clears throat> squamish 50- so I'm squamish 50 miler up uh, north of vancouver in between vancouver and whistler it's uh
2: is it a it's not a qualifier for anything why is it prompting some anxiety for you
1: um, well, because I haven't really gotten my legs back under me since Miwok, it's been a struggle to uh, start piling up miles again. Mhm. And uh, I would like to avoid a, a repeat of what happened at uh, at White River last year. I would yeah. like to be able to go into this thing, uh, giving myself a a shot at finishing and and not wrecking myself.
2: Mhm. Uh, how's your body? How'd your body feel after Miwok?
1: Awesome. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> really good. It really felt good. And uh I ran uh I ran the Sun Mountain twenty five K two weeks later.
3: Oh and, yeah.
1: And then I ran at uh what was that thing we were both signed up for? Um uh, the Tano
2: Way. The yeah.
1: Tiana way half. That didn't feel so good. Um and ever since then, it's just been—I've sort of been meandering around, waiting to uh, waiting for my energy levels to rise back up again. And so far, I'm still waiting.
2: hmm Maybe some yoga, man. Yoga's always helped me.
1: Something. Yes, I I have done yoga in the past, and uh, it's something that I've been thinking about as well.
2: Uh, yeah, I've got to do it a little more often, just so I can keep myself from being, you know, creaky and stuff. Especially when I go real hard on, like, the feet. I was doing the training for um, the Taylor Mountain. And I think mm-hmm. I, I didn't give myself enough of a rest period before because I just stopped running the day before.
1: Yeah.
2: And then um, what call I was able to do some yoga, though, so I was able to work the soreness out of my feet. If I hadn't, oh, man, I, I don't know if I would have been able to pull through.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I
2: understand. I can yeah. appreciate
1: that, really. Yeah, I, I definitely think uh, as part of my routine, I need to start doing more cross-training, and whether that amounts to yoga or boot camps or cycling or something, I think it's I'm at that point where I just need to, to substitute some miles for something like those things.
2: Yeah, exactly. Difficult to find the time, but when you're hungry... Yeah, that's it. You'll get it figured out though, that's for sure, man. And I'm gonna come up. I'm gonna try to come up to that one though, in Canada. So.
1: Which up, which one? Squamish. But, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Fun.
2: It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Gonna, that that yeah. should be. I'm gonna try to put up, uh, put down some of the miles, and work my way up to there, and probably run some, some of the trails out on ninety and up here by Baker the uh, bellingham like the chuckanut's is a lot of fun, really good for training.
1: Yeah, I ran the uh, chuckanut 50k in March.
2: Ooh, really? How was that? That must have been gnarly. Some of those uh, gain, elevation gains on there are pretty steep.
1: Um it was it was good. I mean, it was hard and mm-hmm. uh and the trail was a uh, total mud fest. Yeah. So, you know, it, I mean, it was great and it was terrible and uh mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what we go out there for. Meanwhile, the guy who won it, Max King, finished in three hours and thirty minutes, which I think was a new course record. Wow! So obviously, it didn't affect him at all. That is crazy.
3: Three hours and Uh, forty minutes.
1: Three thirty something. Whoa. Yeah, but that's the difference between uh, you know somebody like me and an elite.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: They're they're playing a completely different game. Yep, that's
2: crazy. Wow. Well, I can't wait to get further into this discipline. That's for sure, man. Thank you so much. Cool. Do, do you have any closing yeah. statements or um, any books that you'd like to suggest to the audience? Uh,
1: books. Uh, well, the the one that you mentioned is a good one. Um,
2: Born, Born to Run. Run.
1: And then uh, that guy, Christopher McDougall.
2: Christopher that's his McDougall. Name, isn't it? Yes. Isn't it,
1: that's his name, if I'm not mistaken.
2: <laughs> yeah. Wait, give me he one wrote, Yeah.
1: Yeah. He wrote another one. What did, oh, he did?
2: Called Natural Born Heroes. Oh. Natural Born Heroes? Is that about running? Natural
1: um, to some degree, yes, but uh, there's also a huge uh, historical aspect to it uh, on um, one of the Greek islands. Uh, it'll come to me that was <laughs> occupied by the Nazis during World War
3: II.
2: Natural born heroes. So it was. Oh,
3: there. Right. Yeah. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat>
1: So Christopher, Christopher McDougall, Natural Born Heroes, what was the name of the island? Crete? Was it Crete? I think it was. Crete? Anyway, Crete. Occupied by the Nazis in World War Two, and uh, what the locals did to resist <clears throat> during that time. So it bounces back and forth between that story and uh, people who do parkour.
3: Oh, that's very and, surprising. Uh,
1: the, the natural movement uh, sort of thing that uh, comes out of doing parkour and, and such things and how it sort of parallels what people in the resistance were doing during World War Two and historically, you know, the ancient Greeks and uh, some of the stories about their amazing physical uh, um, endeavors and... That they were doing sort of the same sorts of things. Wow, I would anyway. have
2: ne- never have guessed that. Um, yeah, parkour would have been ra- been around before now. Like I felt like it was such a, you know, a new, a new thing that people were getting into. That's really interesting, though.
1: Huh. Yeah, not so much. It just wasn't called parkour back in the uh, you know age
0: of Greek mythology. Hey, friends, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate, review, and share. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you listen. And if you have any suggestions on like show direction or anything of the sort, you can always drop a comment on the website, killyourking.com, or leave a comment on any of the platforms, and I'll pick it up. Or its social media page. At becoming human. You guys enjoy your week. Till next Wednesday. Bye.